I turn your attention today to the book of Acts chapter 27 and verse 23. We're so proud of these Bible quizzers. We're going to be honoring them tonight uh, in our evening service. We will have an evening service. Amen. At 6.30 p.m. This is the National Day of Prayer. It's awesome that we have this day has been designated as the National Day of Prayer. And I'm so glad that you've come today to join us. If you are joining by internet, we thank you for joining us by internet. But we want to uh, exalt the Lord today. Oh, I want to exalt the Lord. I feel like I have a word for you. Acts chapter 27 and verse 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Oh, hallelujah. you got to know who you are in times like this. Verse 24, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. This morning we've already had a confirmation with a message in tongue and interpretation in our early service that God is with us today and always. And this is from the throne of grace. I want to talk to you this morning about fear not. Fear not. Would you bow your heads and pray? Lord, we're thankful to be in your house today. We're thankful for the opportunity to go into your word, find guidance and direction for our lives. We ask you, Lord, that you would anoint this message, that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. And we'll give you praise for all things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I want to say how happy we are to have Greg Hubbard and his son, Greg. Love you guys. Thank you for being here. You may be seated. In 1933, as President Franklin D. Roosevelt addressed the nation that were in the throes of a depression, his inaugural speech, he uttered these famous words, and I quote, So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. End of quote. I think that it is an important time for all of us as apostolic Pentecostals to convert retreat into advance. We have never ever been one to follow culture. We've never been people that just go along to get along. We've been swimming upstream since the salmon learned how to do it. We've always been people that said we're going to live by biblical principles. And God has given us a biblical roadmap for time like these. Amen? And I believe it's time for us to convert retreat into advance and say this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The news and our personal conversations are now being fully monopolized by the coronavirus. It has been labeled a pandemic by the World Health Organization. The president has declared a national emergency and many agencies and corporations are taking necessary steps to limit the spread of this virus. The threat of the coronavirus is real, but we also recognize that the media seems to be promoting a culture of fear. It is one thing to have a healthy respect for the illness and what it can do to our lives, and indeed we should have that respect. I believe that we should be prudent and responsible without panicking. We should wash our hands often and thoroughly. We should use hand sanitizer when available. 
And if we're feeling the symptoms of a cold, take precautionary measures. We are endeavoring, even as a church, to take extra steps to clean and to sanitize. And if you're more comfortable with fist bumping or elbow bumping or foot bumping or whatever than shaking hands, that's certainly your prerogative and no one should be offended. I'm fist bumping about 50% of the people. Some people are hugging me and slobbering on me. I'm okay with whatever. The bigger crisis, in my estimation, is the fear that is attempting to envelop us. The greatest pandemic is not coronavirus. It is panic. And panic is the greatest ally of fear. They work together. And when they work together, they can destroy your mind. They can destroy your heart. They can destroy your body. They can destroy your spirit. They can destroy everything about you. But ladies and gentlemen, we have a God, hallelujah, who is telling us today, fear not. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. We got a God that's bigger than the coronavirus. We got a God that's bigger than any biological attack. We got a God that's bigger than any crisis in the past, in the present, and in the future. And his name is Jesus. I don't believe that we should huddle in hiding. I believe that we should live our normal everyday lives and take this opportunity to witness to those around us that are frightened. God has called us to be light in darkness. He's called us to be a city that's set on a hill. He has called us, hallelujah, to be the salt of the earth and the light of this world. Hallelujah. What a great opportunity for the church to say we're going to shine the light and we're going to encourage our neighbors and our friends and tell everybody Jesus is the answer. What hand sanitizer can't do, there's a God that can sanitize your spirit and sanitize your soul. As believers, fear should never be our response. The Bible contains 365 references to God telling His people to fear not. 365 times your Bible says, fear not. I don't think that number is by accident. There are 365 days in the year, which means that we have a fear not for every day of the year. That means fear not when times are good, fear not when times are neutral, and fear not when times are bad. In the good and in the bad. When you're in a good season, a great season, or a terrible season, or the flu season, fear not. I've come to tell this church today, fear not. Your God is on the throne. Heaven is His throne and earth is His footstool. And He has given His people a boldness and a courage. Fear not. We look to the Word of God, we see that the Lord oftentimes took an adverse environment to bring about a great revival. Just a few years ago, when we were in the midst of a financial recession, and Palm Bay was in the news for leading the country percentage-wise in home foreclosures. We had at least 25 families in this church that were suffering from their homes being foreclosed on them. They were losing their houses. And the Lord put in my heart that we needed to pay off the church. And I said, God, how am I going to go to the people and tell them we're going to give extra to pay off the church when they're losing their own homes? 
He said, just do it. Don't let your fear control the will of God in an adverse environment. I went to the board. I went to my father. I went to my friends. Everybody told me I was crazy. But when you get a word from God, you've got to just step out in faith and go with it. So in the middle of a time when churches were cutting back and everybody was trying to figure out a way to limit their expenses, we kept building uh, churches overseas. We built medical clinics in Haiti. We built churches overseas. We built orphanages in Africa. And in the midst of a recession, we paid off this church and were debt free. You know why? Because I challenged you with the Word of God. And people in this church that were losing their jobs and losing their homes and fear had enveloped you, you stepped out in the Word of God and you gave sacrificially. And people started getting their jobs back and people started getting their homes back. Ladies and gentlemen, we still serve the same God. This is not the time to retreat. This is not the time to huddle in fear. This is the time to say great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. This is the season of revival. God is going to use this church in the next few months to be bold and courageous. We have something that many other people do not have. We have faith in a mighty God. We should be the people who keep our heads when everybody around us is losing their heads. We should be a model to the world on how to respond when all the world can do is stay tuned to Fox News and buy up all the toilet paper at Walmart. We got something greater than toilet paper. Good God Almighty. I'll preach all by myself if I have to. We got something greater than hand sanitizer. We got something greater than Purell. We got better than Clorox wipes. We got a God that has kept us. Mm. When our community is in a state of fear and uncertainty, this should be seen as a great opportunity to minister rather than a crisis to be feared. We have a marvelous opportunity to speak in terms of our hope and confidence in God through this season. This is what Paul did as 276 people were in a severe storm that threatened their lives. People were losing their heads with fear. Paul was able to speak peace into that situation because before he ever addressed his fellow shipmates, he spent time with God. Ladies and gentlemen, we must spend time with God during this crisis. We must get a word from Him. We must not only get our leading and our direction and our information from secular sources. We need a spiritual source. We still need to be tuned into heaven. We need to spend time with God so we have His voice. We need God's voice in the midst of all of this social media and all of this 24-hour news cycle. We need to have God to speak in the middle of it and say, What does thus saith the Lord? It's very possible that things will get worse before it gets better. It is also very possible that there is more to the story than what we know. I learned yesterday that the top chemist in the country, the chair of Harvard's university's chemistry department, 
a world leader in nanoscience and nanotechnology, was arrested a few weeks ago by the FBI for working with the Chinese government and receiving millions of dollars for working with the, wait for it, Wuhan Institute of Technology. Going all the way back to 2011, they found that this professor who is the top chemist in the United States of America, who has won numerous awards, was working with the Wuhan Institute of Technology in China. This is not fake news. You can go onto the Justice Department website and you can read about it. Not only that, in addition to this professor, two Chinese nationals were indicted. One of them was arrested for trying to smuggle 21 vials of biology research fluid in his socks, in his suitcase at Logan Airport. These individuals lied about their student visas to MIT, Boston University, and Harvard University, and they were actually working for the Chinese government and in concert with those around them in the Boston area, perhaps even including this American professor. Ladies and gentlemen, we do not know what this is all about. We do not know if this is just the beginning of a biological attack. I think that there is a reason that everything is shutting down beyond just a flu virus that only has a 1% fatality rate. But I have come today to declare to this great congregation of believers, who knows what the future holds, but you and I have a faith and a trust in God that regardless of what the atmosphere and the environment is, ladies and gentlemen, God has been keeping his hand upon his people from the very beginning, and he's not going to stop now. With God on our side, we will prevail. If God be for us, who can be against us? I don't know what the days and the weeks ahead of us. I do not know what the situation, the landscape, everything's changing by the day, by the hour. Things are serious when Disney World is shutting down and the NBA is shutting down and billions of dollars are being lost every week. We understand that these are unprecedented times. But ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you that this is nothing new for God. God has kept his people through the black plague that conquered Europe. God has kept his people through the persecution of Rome. God has kept his people in every adverse situation and environment. And God is not running out of power. God is not wringing his hands in fear and worry. Our God is on the throne. I said our God is on the throne. Three things that I would ask you to consider from this example in Scripture. But first, let's examine the context of the crisis that we read in our text. Acts chapter 27 and verse 18. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. Now this was what you're supposed to do in a storm. The ship gets heavy, it goes down into the water further, it becomes more endangered to sinking. And so they lightened the ship so they would ride up higher on the water. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. They were doing what they knew to do as people that were seasoned sailors. They understood how to deal with storms and they understood how to sail and navigate that that was around them. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, they were in the middle of a storm. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Ladies and gentlemen, there comes a time when you do all that you know to do 
but it still is not enough. I said in the early service, and I'll say it again now, when you look at the history and you even look in the, in the recent 50 years of the United States of America, God has blessed this country. We're one of the most affluent nations in the world. And yet, whenever we have a problem, we throw money at it. The government said this is national emergency. That means they can unlock all the reserve, the billions of dollars that are for national emergencies, and they're going to do everything they can to throw money at this thing. But ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if it's this situation or maybe something in the future, but this nation is going to get to a place where money cannot solve everything. You can lighten the ship, you can do everything, but there's going to come a time when people are going to say, we have no hope except God. And ladies and gentlemen, God is still going to be there. I said God is still going to be there. This nation was founded on people getting down in the snow in the middle of the Revolutionary War and declaring that we've got to trust in God. And this nation got back to God on the Sunday after 9-11. And it could be that this is another opportunity. But I've come to tell you that God is still God. And God will deliver His people. I'm thankful that President Trump, President Trump tweeted that he's going to be listening to Jensen Franklin this morning. But if anybody in the White House is there, I'm asking you to tell the President to turn over to eastwind.church for just a moment and to listen to this broadcast. Because I don't come here today with something out of a book. I've come to you with a word directly from the throne room of God. These kinds of decisions often cause man to think irrationally. A series of evasive maneuvers occurred that demonstrate the nature of man to take things in his own hands when trouble comes. Some men tried to sneak off the boats in one of the lifeboats. Even Paul said, you should have listened to me and we should have never left the island of Crete. I remind you that Paul is a prisoner on the ship. There are times when you and I feel like that we're so insignificant. Who would care what thus saith a Christian, an apostolic, Pentecostal, born-again believer? But I've come to tell you, everybody on that boat needed to know what Paul had to say. He was a prisoner, but he was a prisoner that had had an encounter with an almighty God. We have been indoctrinated by this culture that we're in into thinking that we have no say. I've come to tell you that men and women that have a walk with God, you are the leaders of this society. You are the one that everybody else looks to in a time of storm. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house. Our many mansions. Even though he was a prisoner, he's convinced that it's God's will that he get to Rome for him to appeal to Caesar. Many times in the midst of what we believe is the right thing, an enormous storm occurs. Paul had to get alone with God to get the right attitude, to get the right perspective, and to get understanding. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad that today has been declared the National Day of Prayer by the President. I'm glad that there's acknowledgement that we've got to have God to help us. I said we got to have God to help us. Acts chapter 27 and verse 22. And now I exhort you. He now speaks to those that are on the boat because he's been alone with an angel. And now I exhort you, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. 
For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. I've come to tell you something that I believe is a word from God. This church has a mission. God has called this church for such a time as this. And we're on a mission to have revival. I'm going to tell you something. God's not only going to protect us, He's going to protect all of those around us. Let me tell you, the biggest thing that has preserved America over the past 250 years has been the fact that we were founded on a Judeo-Christian principle. And we believe that God is our strength and God is our help. If you don't believe that, just go back and look whenever the Continental Congress used to meet in Philadelphia and how they started in prayer. We were founded on a belief in God. And I tell you today that God has preserved this nation because of the church. Because of the church. And if everybody will stay on board, we're going to get to the other side. Because the greatest thing this country has is not its finances and not its military. It's praying men and women. It is the church of the living God. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. This is time to rejoice. This is not a time for all of us to hide and wring our hands and live in fear. This is the time to shout. This is the time to be of good cheer. This is the time to celebrate. You say, how can you celebrate in the midst of a crisis? Because we celebrate the faithfulness of God. Verse 25, for I believe God, this is Paul speaking, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. Now notice he had to get back to being a servant of Christ, even in a crisis. He had to get back. He said, whose I am and whom I serve. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I have got to get back to understanding who we are. We're not just another humanoid down here breathing air and walking in shoe leather. We're not just another person down here marking time, living week to week from paycheck to paycheck. You and I, hallelujah, are the sons of God. We have been buried in the name of Jesus Christ. We are the king's kid. We got the name of Jesus applied to us. We are serving a God. We're not living for anything in this world. We are living for the purposes of an almighty God that saved us and delivered us from sin. That's who we are. We are the servants of the Most High God. You can get back to understanding who that is. And you can get that answer from God as Paul did. And the angel of God stood by me. He told me to fear not. Once you get to that point, then you can understand these three principles that I want to lift from this storm. Number one, for every storm, there is an escape. For every storm, there is an escape. For every situation that looks hopeless, there is a way out. For every trial, there is a purpose. In the midst of uncertainty, there is an unmovable rock. And you and I have to find that rock. 
We got to find that island, that firm foundation. We may lose the ship. We may lose the vehicle that got us here, but we don't have to lose our soul. There is an island. There is land. There is something that's not tossed with the waves and the winds of this tumultuous environment. There is something that is solid that you and I can put our feet upon. And I've come to tell you that His name is Jesus Christ. Oh, I feel like lifting up the name of Jesus. Verse 39, And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, into the which they were minded if it were possible to thrust in the ship. Sometimes you may not be able to identify the land. You may not know what being Holy Ghost filled can do for you. You may not understand what it means to be a servant of Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, it's an easy decision when you realize the world is not our friend. And if you keep living the way you're living now, you'll not survive. Your marriage will not survive. Your family will not survive. Your health will not survive. But there is a way out. I said there is a way out. Verse 40, And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind. In other words, everything that we know to do, we're turning loose of it all. We're taking our hands off of the steering wheel. We're saying, God, it's up to you. We're going to turn loose, and we're going to just stay subject to the wind and the waves. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad this church is identified as East Wind. That's saying, God, we believe that the wind, hallelujah, that blows in a storm is the same wind that can blow in and save us and get us to a place of safety. It was the same wind that blew open the Red Sea and the children of Israel went over on dry ground. Ladies and gentlemen, there's coming a time when you and I will not be able to solve the dilemmas in front of us, those things that are facing us, but there is a wind. There is a wind of Pentecost. There is an east wind, and there is the wind of God's presence. And I feel it blowing at our backs. And God is saying, trust me. Fear not. Get to the shore. Verse 41. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the fore part struck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all. Everybody say all. They escaped all safe. To land. Everybody may have a different path to get here. The salvation is for every single individual. If you gotta come on a board, if you can swim, if you were raised in it, if you were not, if you're just dealing with things in your life in this particular moment, I've come to tell you that this is an island that is available for every single man, woman, boy, and girl. You gotta do whatever you have to to get to the land. You gotta do what you have to to get to church. You gotta do what you have to to get into the presence of God. And it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is the one that provides safe harbor for every one of our troubled lives and souls because we know spiritually...
there are storms that attack all of us on a regular basis. So we got to do what we can do to get to Calvary, to get there. And so as a church, we're going to keep on having service as long as we can. We may have to minimize other things other than weekend services. And if it gets to the point that we can't have a service, then we'll keep on broadcasting by the Internet. But we're going to do whatever we have to to keep shining this great light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hmm. But your troubles are not over once you get to the land. Acts 28, 1 through 5. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. See, sometimes you make your way there not even knowing what it is. But when you get there, you can identify, I'm his child. I'm on the land. The island's called Melita, now called Malta, off the coast of Sicily. And the barbarous people, those are the people that were native there, that lived there, showed us no little kind. That means they were awful. They were very hospitable. For they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul was gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast, they lived there. They knew that snake. They knew which ones were poisonous and which ones were not poisonous. And they said, that's a bad one. So the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves. You see who that one? You see that one? No doubt that man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. People looked at him and said, he escaped the storm. But there's no doubt, he must have been a bad, bad prisoner. A murderer, probably. Because though he escaped the seas, the gods wouldn't let him escape and have his life. So that viper has attached to his hand. And it'll be any minute now, he's going to swell up like a bullfrog. Going to flop over dead. There's going to be people that step out in faith through the midst of this virus, and you're going to hear later on that they got coronavirus, and the media's going to broadcast that this guy didn't take all the precautionary measures, and he got da 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 and they, all the vipers are going to attach to the hands. You just watch. You just wait and see. They'll say, see there? He's up there preaching all that Holy Ghost, preaching all that faith! And guess what happened to him? He got it just like everybody else. But the story don't end there. <laughs> Verse 5. And he shook off the beast. Now, I like that. The Bible called a little old poisonous viper a beast. I think of a beast. I think of a big old roaring lion. Ladies and gentlemen, some things that are a beast in your spiritual life are the little things. They just attach to your spirit. They attach to your soul. They attach to your attitude. They attach to your hand. And a little something, a wounded spirit, a little something gets up in your heart and lays claim to a part of it. You've got to shake it off in the fire. He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Point number two, for every viper there is a fire. For every storm, there's an escape, and for every viper, there's a fire. When Eve was first tempted by Satan, he came as a serpent. And the Bible says the most subtle of all creatures was that serpent. When sin entered the human race, no doubt, 
Sin is harmful. It's a killer. It's harmful for your health. It's harmful for your life. It's harmful for your family. It's harmful for your kids. And it attaches itself to you. But sin does not have the final say. You can decide whether you're going to embrace it or shake it off. And I say to you today, shake it off. Whatever it is that has attached to your spirit, shake it off. You say, where do we shake it off in? Shake it off into the fire. The fire represents the presence of God. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were called to Mount Carmel, and Elijah said, the true God is the one that answers my fire. They were in a crisis. They were in a drought. There was no rain coming out of heaven. Everything was dying. The crops, the cattle, everything. They have Jezebel backslidden up in there in that palace, and they had all their false prophets. And they said, all right, we'll take you up on the challenge. They went up there, and Elijah said, you guys have the best part of the day when the sun shines the brightest. You get up there and do what all you got to do. When you get all done, I'll do it. So they get up there, and they bounce around. they got all the, and they're hollering out. And Elijah's in the background, and he's going, why don't you holler a little louder? Maybe your gods can't hear you. I mean, he's just provoking them. Oh, he wasn't being a good Christian. He was bold because he knew his God. And the more he teased them and the more they found, the Bible said they all started cutting themselves, jumping up on the altar, doing all their incantations and all that. After a while, they all just fallen over there exhausted in the heat of the day. Nothing. He said, all right, get them all out here. They go on there. He builds his own altar. Come on, you can't build upon a secular altar. you got to build your own altar. That's another sermon. He cleared it all out. He said, all right, now. And he built that altar up. And then he got it all built up there and he put the sacrifice on it, got the wood on it. He said, go get me some water. They're in a fam. They're in a drought. I need 12 barrels of water. He put all the water. I can just see all the people are going to go, ah, ah, ah. we like some of that water. He's wasting it. Nope. He's going to prove a point because he's got a mighty God. Poured water all over the top of it. He stood back, prayed a simple prayer, 50 words. Lord, you're the true God. Now answer by fire and prove yourself to these people. And the Bible said the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and burned up all the stone and all the wood and licked up all the water. Sucked it all up. And then licked up all the dust. Somebody said, why? Did the Spirit of God with that fire lick up all the water? Because you know why? Because whatever you offer up to God, God's going to return it to you in abundance. He said, Ahab, you better get in your chair. You better head up up to the house. Because you know what? There's coming an outpouring. We've had the God of fire. The God of His presence has demonstrated that He's the real God. But that's just the beginning. They went up there and they looked over toward the sea. The servant said, I don't see anything yet. You see any clouds? I don't see any clouds. You go back, go back, go back. Finally, he goes, I see the cloud the size of a man hand. He said, it's time to go. He got up in there, and boy, he started running. You ought to read your Bible. The Bible's got so many neat things in it. The Bible said that old prophet outran Ahab's chariot. Here comes this guy running by in sandals in a bathrobe. A white beard. Who's that? I don't know, but he sure is fast. And all of a sudden, the heavens open up and the water comes. Everybody said, where'd that water come from? It come from a God that took the sacrifice of God's people and poured it out. You want the blessings of God? you got to give up a blessing. Oh. 
you got to give heaven something to work with. And if you do, guess what will happen, ladies and gentlemen? God is going to answer by fire. Every time somebody in this life stumbles up on shore, some swim, some get there by boards, and maybe it's even through the storm that other people are considering God even this very morning. I've come to tell you, there is a place where sin and salvation are both revealed and the choice is yours. I say to you today, choose the fire. Choose the presence of God. There is not a sin or an addiction in this life that the fire of God's presence cannot set us free from. The Holy Ghost power can deliver you from anything. We gotta shake off the viper of fear. We gotta shake it into the fire. We gotta get rid of fear. It is the unknown that brings fear, the uncertainty, but we have certainty. We know that God has prepared an escape and He has prepared a fire. And the fire is where God's habitat is. When they threw the three Hebrew children in the fire, the old heathen king, Babylonian king, looked at it and said, did we put three in there? Yes, 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 okay, yes. I see four. One, two, three, four. And that one looks like the Son of Man. How does a heathen king know what God looks like? It's a fire and it's unidentified, and I've seen that before. It's got to be the hand of God. I want to. I want to say something right now, and I know I got to come to a close. But I want to say something. I feel like this is important. They thought the miracle was just in them being delivered from the sea, but there was also a miracle that took place on that island. Because when they all stood around and waited for Paul to swell up and die, he didn't swell up and die. In fact, he started looking better than the rest of them. To the point that Publius, the guy who's the chief of the whole village, the whole island, he said, why don't y'all come and stay at my house for a little while? I want to tell you something about your God. He's not a one-hit wonder. He said, oh, God, that was pretty cool what you did at Calvary and the resurrection, how you came back from the dead. And wow, that's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a God that delivers every day. He's not just a God that will deliver you from the storm. He's a God that will help you and deliver you from every viper. He wants to get up in your life and steal your joy, steal your peace, take the miracle of your health from you. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's the fire of the church age. When you get over in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, and Jesus told his followers to go and interrogate until you be endued with power from on high, they all went to the upper room in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. The Bible said, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Again, representing the presence of God. And there appeared in them clothing tongues like as of fire. Ladies and gentlemen, God has given us his holy power as a fire that can speak into our hearts and lives. Acts 28, 6 through 10. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead. Suddenly. But after they looked a great while and saw no harm, they changed their mind and said he was a God. I mean, they went from calling him a murderer to calling him a God. You know why? Because God was on his side. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island. I told you about this guy, Publius, who received us. We lodged three days cursing. He came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever. He got the coronavirus. And of a bloody flux. He got the coronavirus times ten. He got a bloody flux. 
I need to explain to you what that is. Blood just coming out of him, pores and sores and everything. And watch this. And Paul entered in, and after putting on hand sanitizer and wiping his hands with Clorox wipes, he prayed for him from a great distance, and God healed him. Do you read that in your Bible, verse 8? Paul goes in there and put his hand on this man. He had a fever and a bloody flux. Jesus, help us. Whenever we were in the middle of all this AIDS scare, and everybody was afraid of AIDS, we had a guy come to church here who had AIDS. He wanted to get baptized. Brother Tom Bush was the assistant pastor. Then we said, Brother Bush, we feel led of the Lord to have you baptize that man. Oh, by the way, he has AIDS. Brother Tom said, oh. He said, you don't think God would let me catch anything while we're baptizing? I said, we don't know. That's why you're baptizing him. (laughs) I got to thinking about the Lord. He would walk among those lepers. I mean, lepers were so contagious, folks. They made them live on the outskirts of the city. And Jesus would go right up in the middle of a whole bunch of lepers and pray for them. Their skin was made whole. I believe God's wanting to raise this church up to a place where you're not afraid to pray for somebody in Walmart. You're not afraid, hallelujah, to lift up the name of Jesus in any environment. Come on, we either believe this or we don't. We're either apostolic or we're not. Come on, he said you'll take take up any deadly thing and it will not harm you. I believe in a God that can keep us in any environment. He kept us down in Haiti when bullets were flying through those vans and we got over there to the side and the guy who was our security guard who guards the president of Haiti, he said, I looked back and I saw the four church vans and he said, I saw a big shield over them and he said, I knew that your God would protect you. There was bullets in the van, but no bullet ever penetrated the van. I've come to tell you about a God that can protect us in any environment. Come on, stand to your feet. Boy, they started having miracles on this island. People started bringing all their sick relatives. They brought everybody they could find on that island that was sick. People that weren't even sick, just not acting right. I want my youngin' to be prayed for. Has he got a fever? No, he just got bad attitude. Get him in line. There's somebody staying up in Pudus' house. He's got some kind of magic, some kind of power. Point number three. For every attack, there is a miracle. Whew. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The storm is a place where your beliefs are challenged, your paradigms, your preconceived ideas, your notions of normality are brought under the microscope of the supernatural. Ladies and gentlemen, I offer to you, to you this today. Could it be? But the miracle of the Holy Ghost is for you in the midst of this viral assault. Could it be that speaking in tongues as the evidence of the infilling of God's presence 
is prepared just for you to give you power, to give you peace. Could it be that this place in your life is where you are not by accident, but for the purpose of pausing and considering power of Pentecost? You see, my friend, we're all on the same journey, and we're all in the same storm. People on that boat were believers and non-believers. They were prisoners and they were soldiers. But the storm was the same for all of them. The difference was that Paul got a word from God. He stood by him that night and he had two words for him. Fear not. God is standing near us right now. And he is declaring in the midst of the storm, fear not.